WQL1. It's the 10 at 10. The 10 most interesting stories of the day. Live from the WIPC Newsroom, here's Ray Steele and Abdul Hakeem Shabazz. The password is Zika. <laughs> I'm telling you, I still remember the days when Zika was the name of a stripper I knew in Washington Park, Illinois, in my it, law school days. And you're not making that up, are you? No, Zika, Ebola, and ISIS. They were all dancers. Mm. Zika and okay, ISIS, I'm kidding, I would about, buy. I'm kidding about the Ebola. Yeah, but, if, but, if you had an Ebola dancer, that would have been off the charts. Uh, Zika is in Indiana. And no, we are not trying to make people panic before somebody complains that we are. Because somebody complained that we were trying to get people to panic yesterday on the 10 at 10 when you were not here, uh, Mr. Shabazz. Really? Uh, Carl and I apparently were spreading Zika fear like the rest of the media. Well, Zika is in Indiana now. And we have a, a first case. This just broke, so it's not technically part of the 10 at 10, but we will talk about it. And we hope to find out more from the state health commissioner and some others at the health department within the next couple of hours. Because all they've said is that it is a non-pregnant resident. Yes, non-pregnant resident who did not require hospitalization, if I remember the news Correct. correctly. Yep, they didn't require to be uh, hospitalized, uh, and to use that cliche. Uh, they did acquire the virus while traveling to Haiti, apparently, or they had recently traveled to Haiti. And while the health department was not specific in how they acquired Zika, they did urge people to avoid mosquito bites when traveling in regions of the world that have been affected by the Zika virus, which is pretty much everywhere in Central South America, the Caribbean, and now Mexico. Right. And like I said, uh, according to Dr. Adams in the news release, Jerome Adams, the head the public health commissioner, like I said, the risk of contracting Zika virus here in Indiana remains low, but they know many residents are concerned. And like you said, you know, avoid traveling to yep. those areas, you know, where it could possibly, where you could possibly come into contact with it. Yeah. So just be careful, and we hope to find out more. And no, we're not trying to get people to panic. It's just in the news, so it's going to be talked about all day today on 93 WIBC. It's the 10 at 10 on 93 WIBC. Number 10. Probably saw this post on Facebook. A picture from a highway of an unmarked van with police lights pulling a vehicle over on the side of the road. Got plenty of negative attention. Uh, saying, how can an unmarked van pull over someone like that? That is not what happened, though, <laughs> according to State Police Captain Dave Burston. I would ask people not to assume, to really know what they're commenting about, and uh, to ask themselves, why am I making a comment? Is it something that I truly know about? Because when you, when you, all that was missing from that was because when you assume, you make. That is the nicest way I have ever heard Dave Burson call somebody a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> to be brutally honest with you, that, that's why he is so good at his job. The most, Dave Burson is the type of guy who can tell you to go to hell and have you look forward to the trip. Yep. And that's why he is in the position he is <laughs> in. This was an unmarked crime scene van, and the van had stopped to help a person on the side of the road not pull them over we are in such a mood not the entire public but some of the public we're in such a mood to automatically believe that the police are doing something bad apparently that uh, when we see a picture like this we automatically think the worst which brings up the other question too my friend if you're driving why are you taking pictures there's that. Is, is it that illegal? <laughs> I'm thinking about it for a second. Wait a second. The only way you would see that is if you're on the road and you're driving, which means you have to slow down, take your pay, stop paying attention to your driving to take a picture of an unmarked van and, an, and another car, which means by being nosy, you're actually 
putting more people in jeopardy around you. So because you can complain about the cops. You complain about texting and driving. That's worse than texting yes. and driving, isn't it? Taking <laughs> yes. a picture and driving. Uh, and I don't know how I'll the law... i doing re- a selfie while driving. <laughs> yeah, there's that. How, how does the law read now? Does the law, the law specifically ban you, pictures you, on phones um, while you're driving? You cannot text and drive. Yeah. But you can check your Google Map and drive. Right. So that's always been sort of the the back and forth. But I don't think somebody texting is necessarily reasonable enough for the cops to maybe pull you over. I have to go back and double check exactly how the law reads. I just didn't know if taking a picture would be covered under the texting portion of that law or if it's even spelled out huh. at all. I have no idea. I have to go back and double do some double check. All right, we will. But, uh, yeah, so it, complete misunderstanding on the part of whoever posted that to Facebook and did the, oh, look what the cops are doing here. The state police officer in the unmarked van was helping someone, as it turned out. This is the 10 at 10 on 93 WIPC. Number nine. We told you about this case when it happened. A professor and a Christian college in Illinois have parted ways. Why have they done so? Fox's Pam Puso. Dr. Larisha Hawkins is no longer teaching at Wheaton College near Chicago. I have no hatred in my heart for Wheaton College. That's what the political science professor said last month after she was suspended for posting on Facebook that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Hawkins had also started wearing a headscarf as a show of solidarity with Muslims. We are Christians and Muslims and Jews and atheists who aver that all religions believe in justice. Over the weekend, Hawkins and the school reached a confidential agreement. Proceedings that could have led to her dismissal had been set to start. Fox's Pam Puso. Yeah, that's a very nice way of saying, we're going to give you a nice big fat check, now please go away. Yeah, and and it's a private school and they can do that. Right, and it's also Wheaton College, which does, being from Illinois and that part of the state, that that doesn't surprise me at all. There, were, there was an old joke that uh, one year the Wheaton College Parade of Virgins had to be canceled because one of the girls was sick and the other refused to march by herself. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that, yeah, that, nothing those guys do surprises One me. of those. Okay, well, that's that's the conclusion of that case that has gotten some attention uh, here on 93 WIBC. This is the 10 at 10 on 93 WIBC. Number 8. President Obama will deliver his last budget blueprint to Congress today. These are often considered messaging documents. Uh, Fox's Chad Pergram reports congressional Republicans have some problems naturally with it. Congress must pass a budget to start the annual process of approving spending bills to run the government. And right now, House Republicans are in a fix. They don't have the votes. Conservatives are balking at a deal President Obama forged with then-outgoing Speaker John Boehner last year. House conservatives don't want to adhere to that agreement and spend less. The problem for House Speaker Paul Ryan is that if he agrees to conservative demands, he then loses moderate Republicans. Republicans could be forced to break the rules and simply say they approved a budget to begin passing the annual spending bills to avoid a government shutdown later this year. Here we go again. <laughs> this is an annual thing now. Yeah. Multi-annual thing at this point. Pretty um, much. Man. And this is, once again, the end result of gerrymandering because so many people come from so many safe districts that will always be Republican, always be Democrat, that they do not have to appeal to the middle to have a contested general election so you get a little bit further to the right or further to the left crazy, and then when they go to Congress, they can't function because they're so polarized. And that's where we are right now with the, the budget situation. How will this play out, though, during an election year when, obviously, Republicans would like to not only win the presidency but maintain control of Congress? I think, with, I don't think it really plays into that much because we're so used to it now that it's just Congress, whatever. And once again, 
with so many people coming from so many gerrymandered districts, their constituents would probably be saying, yeah, you're doing the right job by not agreeing to that evil Muslim terrorist Obama loving budget guy. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, I don't, I don't think it plays in, in into it too much because once again, it adds to the dysfunction of Washington DC, which if somebody's going to benefit from it, maybe you're Donald Trump, maybe you're Bernie Sanders saying, look, those guys can't get anything done. Um, don't elect another insider, elect me. So, Will we ever return to a time where we don't have the districts like that, however? I think, I think eventually we will, but probably not while you and I are relatively young, good-looking men. Yeah. We'll be relatively old, good-looking men. Definitely, yeah. We, we, we won't lose the looks no yeah. matter what. Uh, as the 10 at 10 rolls, oh, 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 got to do this as a 10 at 10 extra in Florida. Wendy's ah. restaurant drive-through. I guess alligator is now on the menu. I well, hey, hey. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with some alligator tail. Now we'll uh, tell you that as long as it's uh, cooked. It tastes properly. like chicken. It does a little bit, yeah. Uh, depending on who does the cooking, and I, I've had some that's a little too greasy before. Depend again, again, it just depends on where you get it. Uh, South Florida man was uh, taken into custody, placed an order at a Wendy's in Royal Palm Beach, Florida, took his drink, and then. When the server turned around, he had a three-and-a-half-foot alligator, in, <laughs> I guess, in the truck with him and threw it or pitched it into the drive through window. Now, I've been to the Wendy's around here. How in the world did that thing fit through the drive through window? I'm assuming that the guy held up the alligator to the person in the drive through Okay. He or she freaked out, ah, oh, my God, and he throws the alligator through the window. Hmm. And because he, he probably gave it a sedative just to get it to to drive that far from wherever he lived to yeah. wherever the, the Wendy's is. And not take his yeah. arm off. Yeah. Right. Threw it in, and everybody sees alligators, so naturally they freak out and run, and the <laughs> alligator goes to wherever alligators go in Wendy's. I don't know. Probably some good eats there for yeah. the alligator. Joshua James is his name, 23 years old, charged with aggravated assault and unlawful possession and transportation of an alligator, which you can do in Florida and that region of the country. CNN affiliate WPTV, I wish we had audio of this, uh, says, uh, this is Linda James, he's a prankster. He does stuff like this because he thinks it's funny. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, earlier today, I need to find this picture and put it on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash WIBC 10 at 10, because the Kyle Wells, morning producer, tweeted it to me, and he said that the suspect in this case looks suspiciously like our... 10 at 10 producer, producer Colin. Perhaps he has an evil twin down in Florida and that he yes, doesn't know biz- about. Yes, your Bizarre Universe doppelganger is driving around fast food restaurants throwing <laughs> reptiles through windows. Congratulations. <laughs> you must be proud. I, I see a, a few similarities in this guy, but the thing is, I do have a twin brother. Oh, you do? I yeah. didn't know that. And uh, he doesn't look like this guy, and I'm pretty sure he's not living in Florida throwing in uh, reptiles. Re- uh, uh, regular, like a fraternal twin or identical? I do have a yeah, fraternal twin. Okay. Yep. Huh. He is just a couple minutes older than me. That's so. interesting. Okay. Yep. So may- yeah. maybe, maybe... I might shoot him a text, though. It might secretly, out. just to yeah. make sure. <laughs> I'm looking at the guy's picture right now. Give him a beard. Make him a little bit less intelligent and a little bit more of a jerk. Uh-huh. Yeah, he could pass for you. All right. <laughs> So, uh, Sorry, but you, you people all look alike to me sometimes. You at, really do. At, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll tweet this out again, and uh, we'll put that on the Facebook page and let uh, folks decide whether uh, the suspect with the alligator in Florida looks like at Co the Bro. Straight ahead as the 10 at 10 rolls along. It is New Hampshire primary day. Who won Dixville Notch, and does it matter? And 
we're going to have a new lieutenant governor, it looks like, kind of out of the blue. Even though we still, I think, as far as when, at least as of 10, 14 a.m., we still have the old lieutenant governor in place. Yes, and we will have the – and we'll talk about that when we come back from the – Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. tell you yeah. how that process works because Abdul knows all about that. That is a little bit later on as the 10 at 10 rolls along on 93 WIBC. This is the 10 at 10 on 93 WIBC. If you're just joining us, Zika is in Indiana. And uh, I'm doing that. There was a person yesterday who complained that we, we did one story about Zika, and all of a sudden we get accused of spreading the Zika panic like you and the media do or some such nonsense. I'll, so, I'll tell you this, though. I'd uh, much rather live with a Zika virus than bringing back, bring back the Zima virus. Oh, yeah? That clear beer, whatever that crap was. I, from the- man, there was a girl that I... I didn't date her. I wanted to, and I never did back in college, um, who loved that stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's why we didn't go out, because, man, that was just disgusting. Yeah, Zima. But, and, the, and the best line is, not to get all too on a tangent here, but there was an episode of The Simpsons where one of the St. Marge's sisters is on a date, Selman. They're at the restaurant, <clears throat> and she lights up the cigarette, uh. and everybody just like, <gasps> and the guy says, excuse me, waiter, I ordered the Zima, not the emphysema. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that stuff was bad. So, yeah. yes, uh, Zika virus is in a non-pregnant resident who had recently traveled to Haiti. Uh, they are okay, did not require uh, hospitalization. Zika is not something that's curable, though. It's manageable, apparently, and we're going to find out more than in the next couple of hours. Dr. Jerome Adams, state health commissioner and an expert at the state health department, they are going to be meeting with reporters here at 11 o'clock. So we'll have more information later today on 93 WIBC. It's the 10 at 10 on 93 WIBC. Number seven. Kyle Cox, the former Park Tudor basketball coach, is going to stay in federal prison. It's being held in Kentucky for now, and that will be the case at least until an appeals hearing. Federal judge at his court hearing yesterday, oh, by the way, if you're just joining us, don't know the backstory. Kyle Cox resigned in December. He's now charged with coercion and enticement in relation to some sexting with a 15-year-old female student at Park Tudor and then subsequent attempts to cover it up and, according to the charging documents, some really bad things uh, related to trying to keep the victim or the alleged victim quiet in this case. Had a court hearing yesterday. The judge was going to release him to his parents to stay there under house arrest until trial. However, when federal prosecutors, the U.S. Attorney's Office, indicated they would appeal that ruling, the judge stayed his order, and Kyle Cox will stay in federal prison for the time being. And if you, uh, like I have, read the charging documents, it is not for the faint at heart. No, we have those at WIBC.com, and I read them just simply because I had to, because it's my job. Uh, It's not something you want to read. Some of that came out yesterday at the hearing as to why the prosecution did not want him released from federal prison before trial. Yeah. Simply because, according to the charging documents, the day after he resigned and signed a confidentiality agreement with Park Tudor, he was texting a, a guy, a student at Park Tudor, and essentially getting the guy to rough up the alleged victim. Right, try to look like, according to the charging information, uh, sort of do some possible witness intimidation. Yeah. We're reading the, the prosecutor's documents correctly, and I could definitely see the U.S. Attorney's Office saying, no, we do not want this man at home with his parents, what he's accused of, and what he could possibly do in contact he could possibly have. 
know, sort of outside. So we prefer that he stay locked up. And the people who are really, really lawyering up right now is Park Tudor. And that was my next question. That's some of the what I'm going to follow up on later today. Park Tudor's culpability here, because the prosecuting documents suggest uh, maybe cover-up is too strong a term, but that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, that the Park Tudor could have definitely have done more to, to mitigate this problem. And the, the issue is Park Tudor's in trouble and Park Tudor's lawyers might be in trouble as well because you cannot possess child pornography, period. period. There, and they, and, there, there is no ands, ifs, or buts. And it possession, sounds like it sounds like they did. Right, possession is a crime, and the lawyers, like your duties and responsibilities, to report that stuff and turn it over. So when we got the email at WIBC News, our website, from the the lawyers of Rice for for Park Tudor Ice Miller, saying we're not going to talk about our client, and when they started lawyering up, that's when I knew those guys were in trouble, and they're going to have to have a whole lot of wine and cheese sales for the civil lawsuit. That is coming because if I was the guys at Park Two, I'd be ready to take the name off the school and name it after that girl's family because they're going to own that place when it's all said and done. And man, that has come crashing down. I mean, Park Tudor, always one of the most reputable schools, highly regarded schools as and, far as education yeah, in this area. And Park Tudor is not a sympathetic victim because once again, it kind of goes to you know sort of that that Schadenfreude we have about rich people and elites. And this looks like another example of the rich private school people doing something wrong and yep. trying to cover up because they've got money and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, if you're Park Tudor, the last thing you want is for this matter to go in front of a Marion County jury. And, of course, we have the headmaster's suicide, Side, Yep, unfortunately, as well. And the only thing— I would, Park I, I would not be surprised if this turns into an episode of American Crime. Oh, it is uh, something awful, and we have—we've not even begun to scratch the surface. That's oh, no, the thing we're, we're nowhere near— Nope. Strap yourself in, folks. It's going to be a bumpy flight. But Kyle Cox is back in prison for now, pending an appeal. It's the 10 at 10 on 93 WIPC. Number six. We also found out late yesterday afternoon a little bit more about the awful bus accident at Amy Beverland Elementary School a couple weeks ago that killed their principal, Susan Jordan. According to an accident report from Indianapolis Police, IMPD, they said the bus driver did not apply the parking brake when she got out of her seat. Um, and that is what apparently caused the bus to lurch forward, jumping the sidewalk and hitting students and Susan Jordan. Susan Jordan trying to push the students out of the way. Two students were hurt, but they survived. Unfortunately, of course, Susan Jordan was killed. No mechanical problems found with the bus, but no parking brake. Now, what I did not see in this report and what has not been talked about is why the bus driver got out of her seat. Did she have an issue with a student, or what exactly was going on there? Yeah, and, yeah, and you're right. It does leave a, still a lot of questions open, and we'll, we will probably eventually find out exactly what happened. But once again, it's just a you know tragic, tragic, tragic yeah. story, particularly when it seems like all this could have been avoided by just reengaging the parking brake. Yeah, and uh, so... I the bus driver apparently had a spotless record before yeah. that. Model employee is what the bus company had called this woman. Yeah, and, and, and and that's the really sad part because sometimes yeah. bad things just happen and they just do and there's no, just because it's just a bad thing. Right. And nobody was trying to be a bad actor or it's, like I said, you know, you had an employee, spotless record. And unfortunately, the one time that you might forget to do something is unhorribly something like this happens yeah so uh, we will keep our eye on that
for any more updates. This is the 10 at 10 on 93 WIPC. Number five. New Senate report. Now, keep in mind, when when people are in power in Congress, when a particular party is in power, and I'm not suggesting that we should uh, dispute any facts in this report, but typically what the, the party in power in the chambers of Congress will produce reports. Senate committee produces a report that said this. Well, that's the opinion, uh, typically the political opinion of whoever is in charge at that time. Now, that said, new Senate report says undocumented immigrants, illegal immigrants, have scored up to three quarters of a billion dollars in subsidies and tax breaks from Obamacare. That's according to the report. Chad Pergram from Fox News. The Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, expressly prohibits undocumented persons or those in the U.S. illegally from qualifying for health care assistance. But the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee says that up to a half million people still got tax breaks and federal stipends to buy health coverage, even though they failed to verify their citizenship. Some payments and tax breaks can go out to people if their immigration status is unclear, but the government is obligated to reclaim the money if they find someone received a benefit for which they weren't eligible. Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee Chairman Ron Johnson of Wisconsin described what's going on as, quote, pay and chase. IRS Commissioner John Koskinen told Johnson last summer that his service is committed to identifying and addressing those who receive improper payments. Chad Pergram from Fox News Radio. You believe the numbers, Abdul? Uh, whenever senators do a report, like you said, the look at who's in power. If, if it's a Republican senator, they've usually got one agenda. If it's a Democratic senator, they've usually got another agenda. I've always believed that the truth lies somewhere in the middle of all this. Yep, uh, because you can take numbers. I can and make numbers make say my father was anything. an accountant. I can make numbers <laughs> say anything. Yes. <laughs> so you got the accountant in your blood. You've got uh, the law yeah, in your blood. Yeah, I got the lawyer and the politics in my and blood. And politics. So yeah, you could you I could can make numbers pretty anything. much say whatever they, they need for them to say. So that's so, why whenever somebody puts up one of these things, I'm like, okay, yeah, right. Next. That's what, uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> uh, fewer people, we'll do this as a quick extra, fewer people tuned in to watch the Super Bowl this year. That's unusual. 111.9 million people watched Denver's victory over Carolina in Super Bowl 50, the third most watched event in television history. But the Nielsen Company says viewership is down from the past two years. Last year's Down to the Wire contest between New England and Seattle keeps the record with 114.4 million viewers. And Nielsen saying an average of 1.4 million people watched the live stream of the game and the stream had just under 4 million unique visitors during the game. That's Lisa LaSera from Fox News Radio. Was Ratings natu- would have probably been higher, but all those people in Boston felt they had no reason to watch. There, so. There's that, too. <laughs> um, I, you know, I just don't know that I buy 111 million. Maybe 111 million people did watch it, but I have a problem believing just about anything Nielsen says. The, Be- the question is, whenever Nielsen puts out that 111 million people watched, my question is, okay, did they just watch 15 minutes of it? Did they watch a half yeah. hour? Is that the collective That's 111 co- million households over the course yes, of the four or five hour period? Allegedly. Yeah. How long did they stay? How many people tuned out during halftime? Once again, I can make numbers say whatever I think I feel I need the numbers to say. And Nielsen has a product being a ratings service for television and for radio that they have to sell to people, to advertising clients to broadcasting clients and they want to get the best numbers that they can to say look how many people are 
watching your product. Now, you could have even more details about all these people who are viewing or listening to your product if you would only buy, buy our service. <laughs> yep. I don't believe anything Nielsen says. Um and take that for what it's worth. Straight ahead is the 10... By the way, yes. I still say the best commercial was the Incredible Hulk and Ant-Man and the Coca-Cola. Yeah, you like that one, didn't yes, you? Yes, because I'm a big superhero well, dork. And that was a good commercial. I don't, it wasn't my favorite, but it was a good one. I did like it. Yeah, my yeah. wife was like, is that Deadpool? No, that is not Deadpool. <laughs> I like that, Deadpool. That's Ant-Man. <laughs> not dead, But they're both wearing red. I'm like, no, that is not Deadpool. That is Ant-Man. God, woman, get it together. If it were Deadpool, there'd be a few more yes. four-letter words that <laughs> right. we can't say in a regular Super Bowl broadcast. Yeah. As the 10 at 10 rolls along, last night was a sad night for me personally in the world of sports, and in particular, as the euphemism goes, sports entertainment. That's uh, pro wrestling. Uh, and I'll explain as we move ahead. Also, we will explain the Eric Holcomb situation. What is it he is doing with Governor Pence? And it is New Hampshire primary day as the 10 at 10 continues on 93 WIBC. Counting down the 10 most interesting stories of the day on WIBC's 10 at 10. Made a slight adjustment to number four. But before, before we get to that, I saw you just retweeted uh, a link. And we've got this link at WIBC.com. I got to see if we have any audio of what Donald Trump said <laughs> about Ted Cruz last night. And I know we're going to talk about the... Um, New Hampshire primary here shortly, but uh, I don't know if uh, our friends at Fox News have any audio of what he said. And then I don't know if the audio was uh, edited or unedited. I don't know. Maybe we should just <laughs> hang on to that. Um, uh, he did say this. Now, Donald Trump was asked about Michael Bloomberg. He's been teasing that he might be running as an independent for president and Donald Trump seems to be all for this. I'd love to see him run. I like Michael. You know, Michael, I've known him for a long time and we've been friends and I would love to see him run uh, because I like the competition and I think it would be a little bit hard for him to do very well, but you never know what's going to happen. It's called the world of politics. So he wants uh, Michael Bloomberg in the race, I guess, assuming that Trump is the nominee. Maybe that means Trump has a better chance of winning. I don't know. It's like I said, it's kind of a, it's sort of an odd thing and by the way uh, like you said we'll get to new hampshire and in, in just a second mm -hmm. and i guess my i guess bloomberg to, to trump is hey i can match you dollar for dollar so if you really want to get ridiculous yeah and spend some of your own money let's let's bring it on but i'll, I'll tell you this if i still don't think it's going to happen if trump and sanders are the nominees i i would not be surprised to see a third party candidate spring up and, and very quickly what donald trump did he was talking about ted cruz at a rally in new hampshire and I guess he heard a woman yes. in the crowd saying, Ted Cruz is a hmm. And, and Donald Trump says, what did you say? Now, ma'am, you said something. I'm paraphrasing here. Th that, was, that was not a very nice thing. You said what? And then people started clamoring for Donald Trump to say whatever the woman said. And so he said it, that Ted Cruz was a. And, and, and just so you guys mm -hmm. know, half that word could be used with either the word cat or willow. Now you figure it out. <laughs> Am I allowed to spell it? Because I have a, a funny anecdote about spelling. <laughs> no, it, it has to do. It's, it has to do with Mike Tyson too. Believe it yeah. or not. Uh, um, well, it is in a news context. Okay, Mike Tyson fought Clifford the Black Rhino Etienne in Memphis years ago. It was one of Mike Tyson's last fights. Actually, it might have been the last one that he won. He knocked out Etienne in the first round, and we're pretty sure that Etienne kind of took a dive. He did take a legitimate punch, but he said, "No, I've made my money. Yeah. I'm not getting up." <laughs> After the fight. 
uh, Etienne almost got into it with a guy on the front row as he was leaving the ring. And he was asked about this at the post-fight press conference, you know, what happened. And Clifford the Black Rhino Etienne said, and I'm approximating his voice, I think he has passed on now, this big Caucasian man called me a P-U-F-F-Y. And <laughs> that, that's exactly what he said, and which prompted Tyson to go on a profane tirade on live TV uh, talking about how the fans knew nothing about boxing and they should leave them alone, blah, 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 and he ended the press conference. Wow. So that's that was the word that Donald Trump used yes. about Ted Cruz, Cruz, even though he was claiming it wasn't him saying it. Right. It was he was he, he did uh on Fox News this morning, he said he was re he was sort of doing the verbal equivalent of retweeting what the woman had said. <laughs> that she said it, and so I don't use that I, kind of language, but I, I just retweeted verbally what she said. No, because they asked me what she said. Yeah. Oh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. More on that in just a second. This is the ten at ten on ninety three WIPC. Number four. I genuinely was sad when I heard this, and not that it was a surprise. But it was, it's one of those moments, think of, let me put you in this situation. If Peyton Manning, say five, six years ago, had had to retire rather than come back from all those injuries that had kind of sort of piled up over the years, if he had retired, say in 2010, out of the blue, what would have gone through your mind? What would you have thought? What would you have felt knowing that he still should have had at least a little bit of time left to do the sport that he loved, to bring a smile to your face, to perhaps bring championships to Indianapolis, since he was back then. That's how a lot of people around the world felt when Daniel Bryan, one of the best-known pro wrestlers on the planet, announced his retirement yesterday for uh, health reasons. He had suffered, he's had several concussions over the years. The last one happened last May, and he really wanted to come back and the doctors just told him, look, you don't need to. You really don't need to. Because for a long time, we didn't know what concussions did to the brain as right. far as causing permanent brain damage. Now we do. And now we do. And it was very bittersweet as last night, WWE was in uh, near Daniel Bryan's hometown. They were in Seattle. He's from Aberdeen, Washington. And he got to make the public announcement in front of his home crowd. Within the first five months of my wrestling career, I'd already had three concussions. And uh, for years after that, I would get a concussion here and there. And, and it never was diagnosed uh, until recently. He had probably had at, at least a couple since he had been with WWE, which has been, I'd say, the last six, seven years of his 16, almost 16 year wrestling career. And he's only 34 years old, been wrestling since he was 18. Uh, but that was it was a big loss for WWE because he's one of the biggest names. Everybody knows the yes chant now because it's shown up at basketball arenas, football games, and uh, everybody has ripped off the yes chant that Daniel Bryan started a few years ago. And it's it's really sad on the one hand. But on the other hand, he gets to live out a hopefully much healthier life and a much longer life as a result. Yeah, and it is... And it's always a matter of when, whether it's football, basketball, you know, whatever, when when athletes retire, the question is always, when do you leave? Do you leave when you're at the very top pinnacle of your game and that's how people remember you? Or do you stay maybe one or two times too long and then that's how people see you sort of, you know, going out after you're just not what 
it used to be. And with with Daniel, you're going out a rock star, and also you're keeping your health in mind because you can still have a future with professional wrestling as an analyst, commentator. Oh yeah, you know, manager. Lots of stuff. Yeah, you lots can of do. stuff you can do. And he is a, he's such a genuinely nice human being, and he's actually going to be in Indianapolis this weekend at the World of Wheels show. So uh, it's going to be interesting to uh, hopefully get to talk to him a little bit. So that's bit. where you're taking Mrs. Steele for Valentine's Day? No, no, yeah. <laughs> that, that would go over really well. <laughs> hey, honey. Um, no, but uh, it's very sad on the one hand that we won't get to see him perform anymore, but uh, also happy that uh, hopefully he will be healthy. It's the 10 at 10 on 93 WIPC. Number three. Everybody wants to be Attorney General now that Greg Zeller is running for Congress. The latest is Senator Randy Head from Logansport. I've tried over 20 murder trials and I think over 100 jury trials. Uh, and I love uh, dealing with issues of crime and sentencing, punishment, that sort of thing. I've carried a lot of bills for prosecutors in my eight years in the state Senate and also a lot of bills for the Attorney General. Uh, I'd love to do this kind of work full time and to work on these issues. This is shaping up to be an interesting race on the Republican side because you have Head, you have Curtis Hill, who is Elkhart County prosecutor. He was a pretty impressive gentleman when he was down here. You have the former attorney general, Steve Carter, who wants his old office back. And you have one of Greg Zeller's deputies, Abby Kuzma, who's also running. Yes. uh, A couple of Saturdays ago, when the Marion County Republicans had their sort of slating convention, that's where they decide who the party is going to nominate and back for the for the primary. Uh. I want to say everybody, all three of them were there. And I didn't see Steve Carter, but Curtis Hill, Randy Head, Abby Kuzman were all there working the room because those are the people, because the way the attorney general is picked is not in a primary, it's in a nominating convention with delegates. So you have to sort of work the room and talk to different delegates. And so when they were all there in Marion County on a Saturday, Saturday morning and Curtis Hill lives in Elkhart and Randy lives in Cass County, and I saw him like, well, you boys are a long way from home. On Saturday morning, that's what you do because that's the universe of people that is going to pick who the next attorney general, at least a nominee on the Republican side, is going to be. Hmm. Do you consider that a, a fair way to pick a nominee? Actually, I prefer it. I'm working on a column right now for the Annapolis Star that if I had my druthers, I would get rid of primaries altogether because why should the public pay for what is basically a private party's function? Let them have nominating conventions and delegates, and then they pick who they think has the best chance of winning and then present that candidate to the voters. Bringing back the smoke-filled room, if you will. But you know what? Sometimes a smoke-filled room gets you the best results. Well, we shall see. That'll be an interesting column to uh, look forward to. As long as it's Davidoff's (laughs) smoke-filled room. Speaking of of primaries, Eric Holcomb pulled out of one yesterday, and he is apparently going to have a new job. We're going to find that out in just over two hours, and we'll have more on that as the 10 at 10 continues on 93 WIBC. It's the 10 most compelling stories of the day on WIBC's 10 at 10. All righty, let's hustle to get through these last two. It's the 10 at 10 on 93 WIBC number two. First, the story was that Eric Holcomb quit the U.S. Senate race on the Republican side out of the blue. Then he said that he was called to serve in a different capacity, as he put it. Well, we found out what that different capacity (laughs) was later in the day, as in just over two hours, he will be announced as Governor Pence's running mate for the 2016 election, even though we already have a lieutenant governor. Yes, and this almost killed me yesterday because I was at the Columbia Club having my salmon lunch salad when I got the text message that said, hey, Holcomb dropping out of the Senate, Pence to name him as LG. You've never heard me curse so loud 
so quickly in a room full of people. I'm so, guessing they allow cursing like that at the Columbia Club. For that situation, they did. Okay. So after working the phones, uh, here's what's going on. Sue Elserman has applied to be the new president of Ivy Tech. Well, yeah. However, that decision will not be made until April by the Board of Trustees. Mm-hmm. In the interim, the governor, if he, if she were to take the job, she would step down as lieutenant governor, but the legislature does not want to come back and have to do a special session because if there's a vacancy in lieutenant governor's spot, the governor can nominate someone, but the legislature has to approve that appointment. Legislature is done in the middle of March. So the the word on the street was that Sue Elsman was going to step down by the end of the month to fully concentrate on the Ivy Tech job. So the governor was looking for a new possible contender. Lots of names have come up. Becky Skillman, former lieutenant governor, uh, Judge Bonaventuro, DCS. Uh, I found out about 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon that they settled on Eric Holcomb. He accepted as a nominee, and so that's what is going to take place at 1 o'clock today. And by having Eric there, the legislature can approve his appointment while they're still here and not have to come back for another day. Also what this does, Governor Mike Pence has had a lot of trouble with those Luger, Ballard, Daniel-type Republicans. Yeah, I was, that was the thing that stood out for me because he was a, he's a Mitch Daniels guy. Yeah, and just like some Republicans have problems with their conservative base, uh, Mike Pence has had trouble with his more moderate business wing. And by bringing Holcomb on board, that goes a long way to mitigating a whole lot of trouble. As one Mitch Daniels person said, told me the other day, I can support one without having to support the other. Really? Yes. Huh. So does that mean Holcomb takes over immediately and Sue Elsperman is gone? No, she would have to step down. A vacancy would have to be declared and the legislature would have to approve Eric Holcomb's nomination. So presumably, though, that is that going to happen relatively quickly and Eric Holcomb will be in, I'm, fact, I'm, in charge I'm, of the Senate the rest of the session? I'm assuming they would probably do something by, by the time the legislature ends on March 15th. Huh. All right. So so theoretically, it looks like Sue Elsperman will still be yeah. running the Senate for the rest of this session. Right. All right. But uh, Eric Holcomb yeah, in a yeah, surprise announcement yesterday, and we'll, of course, have more in about two hours once that announcement becomes official. This is the 10 at 10 on 93 WIPC number one. I tell you, you've never heard a black man curse so loud. <laughs> well, I probably have. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, you have. You grew up I, I've got Wiz Khalifa on my phone. D- yes, so, you yeah. do. Never mind. My bad. New <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hampshire primary day is uh, happening right now. Uh, Dixville Notch, they, they still very quaintly pay attention to Dixville Notch, the first place that votes just after midnight on New Hampshire primary day. The scoreboard there, John Kasich, Three votes to two votes for Donald Trump on the Republican side. And on the Democratic side, Bernie Sanders with a four to nothing shutout over Hillary Clinton. Whether that means anything, it doesn't really matter. It looks like it's going to be uh, a, a Donald Trump Bernie Sanders win here. That's according to our expert, Laura Albright, with UND. I'm going to post that entire interview again at WIBC.com. Really, though, in the grand scheme of things, does New Hampshire matter? It matters to the sense that it is part of sort of helping thin the herd a little bit. And that is what uh, the experts say, why these early primary states matter. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. I mean, even though the majority of the delegates are picked later on, the theory is you get sort of the also-rans out of the way with those three so everybody else can kind of focus on the major candidates, the major contenders. Anybody drop out after today, you think, Um, on the Republican side? I would not be surprised if anybody comes in dead last, but then again, second place might be so tight that if it's only just a hair percentage point that separates the the Marco Rubios from the Chris Christie's from the Jeb Bushes, I can see them all saying, you know what, 
I came in second, but we're sticking around. We will follow it tonight after Abdul at Large here on 93 WIBC. Facebook.com slash WIBC 10 at 10. Like us there, and we'll do it again tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. Mr. Garrison is next on 93 WIBC.